Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by an esteemed panel that we'll get to in a minute. But first and foremost, welcome to the End Zone Podcast coverage of Draft Week. We are here, the final tent pool event of the NFL offseason. We calm down, we'll, we'll get the pointless mini camps and OTAs in a few weeks, but let's be honest, we're not going to do any podcasting for that. We will be back after this weekend sometime in mid-June and we'll do fun podcasts where we talk with teams and random beat reporters and all these filler topics quarterback rankings up until like mid-July and then we'll start division previews again and then Mason Brad and I will do this all over again in the fall uh but here we are draft a temple event of the NFL offseason fun 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 we'll have an episode today Thursday night, we will convene around the 20th to 25th pick of the draft in the first round, so I don't keep everyone up too late, but Brad should be with us that day. He is not with us today, as it is Game 5, Oilers-Kings, and he is, of course, predisposed with that. Uh, But Mason, Brad, and uh, our good friend uh, Brian Brown will be on the episode on Thursday, breaking down some of the first round and then Sunday hopefully during the day at some point so we're not up late into the night we'll do our final podcast on this feed football wise for a little while where we'll talk draft winners and losers offseason winners and losers and we will head into the quiet the true quiet part of the NFL offseason and Ryan I I hope you can join us for that that's always a, a fun episode to have you around but we should also have Mason and Brad for that as well with that being said our esteemed panel as as mentioned before mason is here mason how 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 are things up in buffalo this time of year uh freaking cold and, and rainy it kind of sucks <laughs> a little bit being honest with you we got this weird blast of full-on summer 80s to 90 degrees for like three days and then mother nature decided we're not having any of that and so plummeted us back into snow weather and hail and apparently earthquakes and tornadoes so we're getting the full gambit up here living through it good friend of the program christian as far as a christian always great to see your face i, I there are a few things on reserve i enjoy more than talking sports with you so thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode i'm glad we could yank you away from being the star radio producer you are i know it is a busy time of year with the salt lake bees and in full swing and games every day basically so thanks I, buddy we, yeah we, yeah we, we just we, picked up rsl too so yeah that's been keeping me really busy uh big game tomorrow night the oh, las yeah. vegas game yep. US so Open it's Cup. it's the, they, they're dragging me through watching every single painful rsl game but yeah, yeah. it's fun yeah well welcome to, welcome to being an rsl fan it's not not particularly a lot of fun they're they're kind of a they're like one of the more mid franchises in major league soccer a man who has never I can confidently say this, watched more than 180 minutes of MLS soccer. It is Ryan Kearney. Welcome to the program, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. Exciting week, draft week. Always excited for that. Eagles have two first-round picks. I mean, wow, it doesn't get much better than that. So, yeah, no, doing good. Excited for a mock draft today. Should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, the way this works, per usual, we do this every year, but I'll, I'll, I'll reintroduce it. 
per usual, uh, we are going to go around the screen. It will go, I, uh, my, now this is really where the hosting gets difficult because I sent all this out and didn't really put it together. Uh, we will go Eric, Christian, Ryan, Mason as a draft order. We'll go through the first round. We, we will do some shuffling of picks around uh, just because uh, we, I want to let people who have favorite teams take their, their team's picks. So Ryan, of course, will get the Eagles. Mason, of course, will get the Bills. Christian and I, because we root for a franchise that just decided, hey, you know, it, we, we don't need any draft picks for like the next five years. Like, let's just throw them all to the wind. Uh, Christian will be uh, picking for the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll be picking for the Los Angeles Chargers. All right. We can do trades. You can draft um, however you want to draft. You can draft based off reality and what you think might happen. You can draft based on what you would do if you were the GM. It's going to be chaos. This is really just a, a place for us to put together kind of our dream fits of players with teams and, and talk about these players one last time going into the NFL draft. We'll, we'll probably go in depth on the top 10 picks. And then after that, we'll kind of rapid fire through the rest of the draft. But with that said, we, we will get going. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock here in the end zone podcast, annual mock draft. I'm not taking any trade offers. I, I know who I think the Carolina Panthers are going to draft. I feel like today, obviously there was the Will Levis stuff that got kind of weird. Um, but there, there's no way they're not taking Bryce Young here. That's pretty easy. Bryce Young with the first pick to the Carolina Panthers. Ryan, I actually want to go to Christian with this. Christian, your thoughts on Bryce Young? Like he, uh, lots of people have lots of different things to say, but let me just ask you this: uh, Is he going to be? At any point in his NFL career, does he have the ceiling to be a top five NFL quarterback, do you think? I honestly, I think so. And it's it's hard because you look at him and you're like, well, he doesn't do a ton of things great physically. But at the same time, that reminds me a lot of Joe Burrow. Um, I know that, that Bryce Young has been comped to Drew Brees and Russell Wilson because of the smaller size the lack of uh, elite arm strength and all that stuff. But you look at Joe Burrow and even to this day, physically Joe Burrow doesn't really do anything amazing. Like that'll blow you away physically, but he does everything right in between the snaps. You know, once the ball is snapped, he does everything right. I think that's, that's pretty much how Bryce young plays. Um, he is smaller. That's the, the major concern. He's really small. Not only is he short, but he's skinny. But as far as what he can do on tape, I don't I don't think there's much that he can't do besides, you know, take off and outrun a defense. But that's not what they're going to ask him to do. Um, I think they're they're really going to make that offense look kind of like how the, the Bengals offense looks. I think he's going to operate really similarly to Joe Burrow, just a, a really natural pocket passer. And I think he's probably the safest pick in the draft right now, Bryce Young. Mm, interesting would you agree with that analysis ryan 
Yeah, I would. Uh, overall, you know, he is definitely like a pocket passer, like has a little bit of mobility, did score some rushing touchdowns in the red zone this past season, his junior year at Alabama. But, you know, I think overall, you're primarily looking at a guy who's going to operate in the pocket and then be able to uh, effectively extend plays uh, when things break down. So, I think the ceiling concern is a little bit, you know, if, if how much can he elevate his game? If we know that he's a little bit limited in terms of what his, you know, deep passing uh, capabilities can be. But I think from what we know, what Bryce Young is, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to step right in, be ready to go week one as an NFL starter in this case for Carolina. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a pretty safe prospect. So I would agree with that. Awesome. All right, Christian, you have a fascinating pick here. Obviously, been a lot of smoke around this pick over the last little bit, but you are now the Texans GM. What are we doing here? So there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, if this situation happens, which is the most likely situation, Bryce Young going number one to Carolina, the Panthers, they can either say, okay, let's go somewhere besides quarterback um, and put all eyes on Caleb Williams next year. But on the other hand, you look at that and that's almost too risky of a gamble because, you know, you look at the situation Houston had this year where they, oh, they won their week 18 game when they weren't supposed to. And that ended up giving them the second pick instead of the first pick. So you can never rely on, okay, let's do this now and then plan on doing this next year. It's always so hard to prepare a year in advance. So I think the safest pick for the Houston Texans here is to go quarterback at number two. It's much too risky to try to hold out and try to get a quarterback next year. So I think with my second pick, I'm going to go CJ Stroud out of Ohio state. Um, I was, I, I feel like I'm a little bit higher on CJ Stroud than, than the consensus. I don't love him as a prospect. I, I'll admit, I mean, he's definitely behind Bryce young. Um, and then there's, you know, all this stuff about the S2 cognition test and this and that. And it, it feels almost like a smear campaign that for whatever reason, teams are trying to lower his draft stock. And it's really similar to what happened in Justin Fields a couple of years ago, um, also out of Ohio State. So I don't really know what the deal is, but watching CJ Stroud uh, in the college football playoffs against Georgia that was about of a as complete of a game as you can get and i think if you get that version of cj stroud that's easily a top 10 quarterback and and i think that's everything that the texans could want so that i i feel pretty comfortable with that pick cj stroud at number 2 yeah i mean to me the cj stroud hate throughout this whole process has never made any sense to me he, he does look like a professional NFL quarterback. I think he will have success. Does he have quite the ceiling of Bryce Young? Probably not. Are you going to have to protect him? Yes. But I, I think he's a pretty good quarterback, and uh, I, I, I agree with the pick. Ryan, you can give some thoughts here, or, or we can move on to uh, the, the Cardinals pick here as you are on the clock now. Yeah, I'll just say quickly, just noting the uh, you know late movement here on Will Levis, you know, gaining some steam to go second overall. I personally definitely have C.J. Stroud as a player. I have you know projected much higher into the NFL. But having said that, it's 
hard to completely ignore some of the, you know, week, you know, uh, you know, hours or, or, you know, like we're getting close to the draft here when smoke like this happens, it is definitely really intriguing, especially when it starts getting into the gambling lines. I think last year, for example, I thought everybody was crazy for saying that Trayvon Walker was going to go first overall ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. And then all of a sudden we get to draft day and that ends up being the pick, um, you know, factoring in that he had a lot of late movement on, uh, on, you know, smoke becoming, you know, Trayvon Walker going first overall. So hard for me to completely ignore the will levis uh news and uh late movement here but having said that if the draft does play out as it has in this mock draft with cj stroud going second overall i think that arizona would probably stay put at number three say will levis does go second overall i think there may be teams that would be interested in trading up to number three to get cj stroud but not how things played out here so looking at arizona pretty weak defensive line from uh you know a change of pace from what they had a couple years ago with guys like chandler jones and jj watt either leaving in pre-agency or retiring so they need a big retool at that spot and I think it's pretty close between either Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson on the edge. Certainly could give some consideration to Jalen Carter here as well. But uh, I'm going to go with an edge rusher, a little bit more positional value uh, at this point for a team that really only has two third round picks from last year as their starting edge duo with Maje Sanders and Cam Thomas. So with that said, I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson here, Theodore overall, the Texas Tech uh, edge rusher, really just an outside freak, uh, you know, just projects, you know, immediately as a guy that can step in and, and be an impact player uh and a starter uh for arizona uh with what he can uh offer up and uh, both his uh run defense uh and pass rush ability so i'll go with tyree wilson here third overall to arizona yeah you know i'll i'll say this if this actually happens on draft night uh i'd be a little bit i would not be bullish on this i i would much rather see tyree wilson go to a place where there's more proven coaching I don't know if Jonathan Gannon is necessarily a guy that has proven that he can develop defense. That Eagles team was just loaded with talent. I'm interested to see what, what happens, but I, I personally don't love this fit for the Cardinals. I think the safer pick for them would be Will Anderson, but I see, you know, I love Tyree Wilson. He's one of the guys that I'm most fascinated by in this draft. But I do think there's a chance that things might not end up well for him on his rookie contract if he ends up going to Arizona. I don't know. Am I crazy to think that? They, they... I personally like Will, Will Anderson more than Tyree Wilson, but um you know factoring in Arizona you know they historically have been a team that takes these kind of athletic freaks I think the athleticism screams more Tyree Wilson than Will Anderson in this situation you know a team that's taken Isaiah Simmons and Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker uh, I feel like they kind of like those you know extremely fast large uh you know players and you know that kind of athletic profile would fit uh with Tyree Wilson more so than Anderson all right Mason I'm gonna propose a trade uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose the following trade. I'm gonna be the the Seattle Seahawks here, and I'm gonna say I have someone in mind, and I want to move up and get my guy. So, the Seattle Seahawks will send the fifth overall pick, the thirty seventh overall pick, a round two pick next year, and a round four pick in 2025 for the fourth overall pick in the draft. So I think that the way this draft has fallen so far, 
and with knowing that the Colts have been pretty desperate to get the quarterback that they want. I haven't even considered what the Seahawks might be after, though. I mean, I would assume Will Levis. Oh, that's tough because that's not a bad haul from just moving back one pick. But, man, with Will Levis on the board right now, it's can you move back one and risk that he won't be their next pick? Right. It sounds like you're going to decline that trade. That's fair. I, I think I have to. I think I have to, and I think I have to grab – him while he's available and make sure that he uh, ends up on the roster and take a chance on somebody who's not, you know, somewhere in the late thirties range for a year. All right. Will Levis to the Colts. I want to talk about these picks in succession because if it falls this way, I feel that the Seattle Seahawks, I know that there's a chance they, they go defensive free. But if you're the Seahawks, Geno Smith is on a one-year deal. You love taking these guys that are huge. This is the guy I would have traded up for. I cannot believe you chose Will Levis over Anthony Richardson. I'm taking Anthony Richardson here uh, with the Seahawks pick. I don't know. Will, will one of you tell me what I'm missing with Will Levis? Like, I, re I really, like truly do not understand how he's getting this much hype like he was a legitimately terrible college quarterback and if you're just saying oh well he has like traits well the traits of anthony richardson are like five times better than the traits of will levis so like what what are we doing in an nfl where the nfl is somehow valuing will levis more than anthony richardson that seems crazy I also just wanted out there. I tweeted this a few days ago, but I'm just part of the Anthony Richardson hive. Like that's uh, that's where I've I've come down. It feels like you have to decide to be with or against Anthony Richardson in this draft class. I've decided to be with him. He has crazy high upside. I think if the Seahawks took him, they could coach him up. And there's a potential that with the weapons around him, within two or three years. We could be talking about him as one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. He is just crazy athletic and a really good passer. And I, I don't understand why anyone would value Will Levis more than Anthony Richardson. That seems seems crazy to me. I don't know. So I guess what I would say to that is the the Colts, for example, they don't they don't have a quarterback right now. Anthony Richardson can't start week one. Will Levis could start week one. And I don't think that in five years you know, Will Levis is going to be, you know, a, you know, high level starter, but I think he has a higher floor than Anthony Richardson, what he can offer you in a week one. I think he, Levis is obviously a much more traditional drop back passer, you know, a rhythm thrower, take three steps uh, and, you know, fire a curl route, you know, find the open guy, read his own coverage. So I, I'm not, I personally am with you, Eric, in terms of why I would like Richardson more because of the traits, but I can see why a team like Indianapolis that needs a guy to be under center week one, would be more intrigued by Will Levis than he would be Anthony Richardson. Hmm. Interesting. I'll go. I'll go on record saying I'm not really turned on by either of those guys. I think both of them feel like a, a ticking time bomb, um, especially with Anthony Richardson. Given how in love people are with his athleticism, like that's not what you should be chasing in a quarterback. And I know that you know Lamar Jackson recently won an MVP. 
Justin Fields had some really good games last year, but at the end of the day, like there's not, there's, uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson aside, there's not a, a high end quarterback in the NFL that is an athletic freak. Um, I mean, Josh Allen can throw the ball. Like Josh Allen isn't just athleticism. But um, even I, even I Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson can throw the ball. Uh, he has ugh. tape that shows he can throw the ball. I, the thing with that is we don't have consistent tape with that. I mean, he was. I I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't just, think we have enough enough showing that Anthony. It, it feels a lot like the Zach Wilson situation where it was like. Yeah, he was mad and then like all the testing and the combine and pro day came out and then it's like oh my gosh anthony richardson i don't know looking at what he did at florida especially during this last year he he really they really didn't do a whole lot um definitely the athleticism is there and sure if i'm having a pick between anthony richardson and will levis i think i would probably lean richardson because of the athletic ability but i don't know i i feel like that it, it's kind of a disaster waiting to happen, I think, but we'll see. Interesting. All right. With that, we can move on to the sixth pick, which will be uh, Christian. You, you have the Lions pick here. So uh, the Lions recently traded away uh, Jeff Okuda a corner they selected number three overall just a couple of years ago. So they've got a pretty big hole in their secondary there. They could also use um, another wide receiver to go along Amon Ra, St. Brown. Um, the only thing is there's not an athletic, there, excuse me, there's not a receiver here that fits alongside Amon Ra. I really like Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I feel like he's too similar to Amon Ra St. Brown. They do too many of the same things. I don't think it's a good idea to to have your two top receivers, you know, doing the same thing as far as mostly slot guys. Um, so I think the best thing for the Lions here is to go corner. And I will go Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon here. Wow. Okay. I know uh, Ryan probably has some disagreement with that. I I I like Gonzalez. He's my top corner, and I do see a need there with the. You know, oh, I thought you liked Witherspoon more. See, I'm a Witherspoon guy. I I think that Witherspoon is, is fun to watch highlights of because he'll come down and smack you, and there's a lot of value in a corner that can just absolutely lay the wood out there and blow up screens. And but I think in terms of pass defense and athleticism, I think Gonzalez projects as a better CB one long term. So I personally err on the side of Gonzalez. All right. Berators on the clock, rather. Well, fitting with the uh, mold of the Las Vegas Raiders, they're going to take the guy with the criminal background and Jalen Carter here. So that's a <laughs> that's a pretty no-brainer for me. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact he falls this far is, is kind of crazy. If I had that Lions pick, I probably would have said Dan Campbell would probably look past that and say, I, I can change this young man. I can coach him up. I feel... Like, if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter were really available for the Lions, the Lions are definitely taking one of those two players. They just feel like Lions players and Lions picks. They they feel like a team that feels like they can coach up the secondary, but they want to have an elite front seven. Um, 
but yeah, Jalen Carter, good pick here. I mean, I I've been watching more Jalen Carter over the past few days, and he's just great, a monster. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. And that, you know, it, the, the Raiders need help on the defensive line. They really do. They they need another guy aside Max Crosby that can disrupt the pocket. And honestly, adding Jalen Carter, I I wouldn't hate that front seven going into the year as much as I would have if if they didn't take him. Uh, I will add. This is probably nightmare scenario for the Las Vegas Raiders, seeing the top four quarterbacks go um, before they can get on the clock. I don't think the the Raiders are very confident in Jimmy Garoppolo, and I I think they're picking too high here to go after you know a Hendon Hooker or a, another quarterback in the first first round. Um, I think they'd really really be hoping that a quarterback would fall to them here. So. It's I do like Jalen Carter though. That is a nice pick, like you said, Eric, to go next to Max Crosby. That is, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 Raiders defense would would have some zest to it if yeah Chandler if, Jones as well. Yeah, if that that if that front seven would be formidable. Um, which is honestly what you need in that division. So you know it makes a lot of makes a lot of sense there. Whose pick was that again? I got lost in our conversation. That would be Ryan. All right, Mason, you are up. Falcons pick. Uh, I mean, the way this is falling, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer that Falcons would probably grab Will Anderson at this point. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think you're right. And I'll just say this. I'll be pretty hyped about the Falcons offseason if they take a defensive player with that eighth pick. Because what they've done this offseason to sign Jesse Bates, to bring in Jeff Okuda, to build around A.J. Terrell in the secondary, like they've got a pretty decent secondary. If they took a guy like Witherspoon, that would be a pick that I'd like. And if one of these edge rushers or Jalen Carter falls to them, I, I think the, the Falcons are on a really fast track where I obviously I don't trust their offense with a guy like Desmond Ritter, but I think they're on a fast track to succeed as a defense next year. And I think if they got one of these elite guys at the top of the first round to fall to them, uh, that would be, you know, positive for them and, and something I'd be very excited about. All right. The Bears on the clock. This is interesting because a lot of players have fallen to the Bears at this point. Uh, I think Ryan Poles, you know, I've, most of these mock drafts that I've seen have them taking an offensive lineman. You know, I, I think that makes sense, but I think Ryan Poles also has a history of taking guys in the later rounds that he thinks he can develop. And from the people I trust on offensive line, they think this is a pretty deep class, especially at tackle, wherein there's not maybe an all pro, but there are plenty of starting level caliber available tackles available. So I do kind of think if 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 this showed up the way it is, I mean, Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach. I mean, they don't really have that great of a secondary. I think they'd swing at a at a local guy in Devon Witherspoon here. I I think that would be the pick for me. Would 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 that would you be shocked to see them take a corner if one of the top two fell to that position, Ryan? Um, you know, obviously, I I still think 
for the Bears, you probably should be thinking best player available. It's a pretty young secondary for them to begin with. You guys like Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson, all guys they've, you know, drafted in, in recent years. And obviously recently losing, uh, you know, uh, players on your D-line like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and uh, even your linebackers. You, you trade Roquan and you replace that with Tremaine Edmonds. So I think, you know, best player available is a kind of, of a situation that fits um, and, and whether soon certainly fits that category pretty well, maybe excluding like a Bijan Robinson, for example, which we know about that obviously positional value. So um, I think it's a, it's a very fair pick there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I, I'm thinking as well. All right. This is where we, we flip things uh, around a little bit and Ryan, you're on the clock with the Eagles pick here. Yeah, uh, I think for the Eagles, you know, historically, they've been a team that really values the the trenches, the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively high in drafts. Uh, you know, this offseason, they lost a little bit of their offensive line depth, uh, losing one of their starting guards in Isaac Sayamalo and also Andre Dillard, who was kind of that swing tackle position for him. So I think in this situation, the Eagles will look at a guy like Peter Skaronsky and say, hey, we can plug him in right now at right guard and also maybe have some positional versatility to launch long-term think about him as uh, either the swing tackle for insurance for either Jordan Mylotta or Lane Johnson, or even, you know, a couple of years down the line could be that full on replacement for Lane Johnson once he ultimately hangs it up. So I think Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern gives them some immediate value and also some long-term value uh, to help out their line of scrimmage. All right. That makes sense. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, this one, I just want to touch on really quick. I think it's interesting. A lot of smoke around the Titans right now. Uh, feels like Christian, you're, you're going to make the pick here. feels like Ryan Tannehill is definitely available, but that's kind of been the case all off season. It just doesn't seem like a bunch of people are interested. Do you think we could see the Titans, even though they weren't in miss mock, do you think we could see them be aggressive on Thursday night and maybe try to get into that top five, uh, and, and take a, and take a swing at one of these quarterbacks? Um, with this class, with all the questions surrounding each quarterback, I I don't think that would be a, a wise move for the Titans. Um, you know, all four of the top quarterbacks have major, pretty major questions, um, and they're far from a sure thing. And I, if if I were the Titans, I I wouldn't feel comfortable trading up for anybody besides Bryce Young or maybe CJ Stroud. And I don't think they have enough. They don't really have anything that valuable to give up and, and move that far up. I think the Titans, especially, they don't really have a history of being aggressive in the draft. Um, and then you look at, especially recent years, um, specifically trading away AJ Brown. And, and I know they have a new GM now, but it, it really feels like the Titans as a whole are not a very aggressive organization. I think they believe in Vrabel and their coaching staff, and they believe in the development of this team. And I think they're fine with kind of standing pat here or maybe even trading down. Um, I mentioned this earlier. I do think it's going to be interesting. Hennon Hooker is likely going to be a late first-round pick, um, which I think is smart. Swing in and get that fifth-round option, uh, excuse me, fifth-year option, um, especially with somebody like Hennon Hooker who's likely going to need to sit a year. But again, the Titans are picking a little too high here to be going after Hannon Hooker. So here at pick 11, um, they could go after a defensive stud to to give Vrabel and, you know, fortify that defense. But 
I'm going to get a little crazy with it. Um, you know, the, I think I'm going to go Jackson Smith and Jigba here. And, <laughs> and I know that the Titans have not really been tied to him. Uh, but I, I think that's a really good fit. He's a, he's a slot guy and I'm drawing a blank on his name last year. They drafted the receiver Trey last year. Yeah. Traylon Burks, obviously. Traylon Burks is going to be, you know, the outside dominant go up and win contested catches guy. And then you can get Jackson Smith and Jigba here and open up the middle of the field and run those slot routes. And I think that's a really good setup of a, of a wide receiver corpse. You know, you got the big alpha wide receiver one, and then the, you know, route runner slot guy is your wide receiver two. a nice little one, two punch, uh, get Ryan Tannehill some help while you still have him. Um, but again, they could also likely trade down here, but I'll go JSN right here. All right. Snipe him right away from the Texans. I know the Texans would be scooping him up. Furious right now. <laughs> I'll have you know, the Texans, yeah, I'm absolutely furious. Yeah, oh, I bet. What do you think about that kind of draft strategy, Ryan, that we've seen teams take over the years, especially recently you look at teams like um, the, the Broncos and the Jets specifically guys that when they didn't have quarterbacks settled in for the long term, they went and they took high value uh, wide receivers, guys like Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy for the Broncos. And for, of course, the the Jets, a myriad of, out of guys and in, in, in guys like Elijah Moore, who of course now is a Brown and Garrett Wilson. What do you think of the overall team building strategy to build out the offense first and then wait for the quarterback later? I mean, I think it makes sense uh, in in this situation because there's not like that easy quarterback up. We, we're, you know, we're ready to take our franchise quarterback. We're picking in the top five. So, you know, I, I would say the flip side of that is, okay, say let's look at like the Chicago Bears, for example. They did not have a lot of structure around Justin Fields and he's kind of had to grow with some of the lumps and pains of that uh, through two years. And now they're starting to slowly start to trickle in some more receiver help for him. But, uh, you know, maybe if he immediately walked into a situation where he had better receivers than Darnell Mooney to separate on the outside uh you know maybe we could have seen a little bit more growth out of your you know your young quarterback Justin Fields because as we know that you know time when you have your quarterback on his rookie contract is a really big window for you to be competing for a championship because it's at a big you know market discrepancy between what you pay a rookie quarterback versus say you know a guy like Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes that obviously just got paid and I know Hurts his contract hasn't yet kicked in but um you know once you're stuck to having to pay your starting quarterback 40 50 million a year uh, you know, that takes away from the rest of the roster. So having your skill positions ready for when that rookie quarterback comes in, I think is a pretty smart strategy overall. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. All right, the Texans, that pick is going to go to Mason. Well, since uh, they lost out on the wide receiver pairing sweepstakes, uh, another position to need and another pairing that will probably work out pretty nicely. Uh, for them is another Ohio State product in Paris Johnson. Someone okay. to, you know, grow with him, help him keep, help keep uh, C.J. Stroud upright for, you know, hopefully years to come. Honestly, and, about uh, that, come. I, I, I wouldn't have seen that coming, but Ryan, especially I want to go to you here. 
I like that. I mean, they have Laramie Tunsil already. You could slot him in at right right tackle if you wanted to. And then you have a pretty decent offensive line around C.J. Stroud. Plus, they already brought in those weapons this offseason in Dalton Schultz and a guy like Robert Woods. I, I know they're they're kind of lacking at a guy like wide, re- wide receiver two right now, but you could always take a swing at a guy in the second round. Uh, they get John Mechie back this year, which which – is, is another interesting part of their offense, potentially. I think if the Texans were to do this, I, I would call them one of the biggest winners of the offseason. I've really liked what they've done to revamp their offense. And for the first time in like three years, it looks like a legitimate NFL offense to me if all this goes down. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a team that really values offensive line pretty heavy. You think about a couple of years ago, they also drafted Titus Howard in the first round and uh, Kenyon Green last year as a as a guard who uh, didn't necessarily have the greatest rookie year, but um, you know, still projects as a, a player that obviously could get better. A former first round pick just through his rookie year. So uh, you do have Tunsil on one side. You know, he, he probably slides in ahead of Titus Howard. Then I would say uh, at the other tackle spot, you know, you're 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 building in the trenches. Maybe one of them moves to guard with Kenyon Green and. Jack Mason there. So it then becomes a position of major strength, which building through the offensive line is about as smart of a strategy as you can. If you're a team that's rebuilding and doesn't quite yet have the quarterback or uh, all the skill position players uh, around yet, uh, you know, build through the line of scrimmage that's going to create some foundation for when those guys start to come in that uh, they have a little bit more confidence knowing that, you know, the protection upright is going to get the job done. Especially looking at what the Eagles, you know, have accomplished this last season I think a lot of teams are going to kind of see that blueprint and say you know what we've got to start putting more value into our offensive line and I think a lot of teams are going to kind of look at that and say hey yeah let's 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 do that no doubt all right the Green Bay Packers very Eric yeah very interesting situation here forgot to mention at the top of the show but Aaron Rodgers did finally get traded so that, you know, we talked Breaking about news. it a little bit. I think Jets fans, if if there are any of you out there that listen to this podcast, do not fret. I'm sure the Jets will be a big cut topic of conversation on our Sunday show, recapping uh, the, the biggest offseason winners, which obviously they were. But now the Green Bay Packers move on to the Jordan Love era. This is an interesting draft board for them because – you know, they have a guy in Christian Watson that I think they really like and a guy in Romeo Dubs that they've hyped up a lot. But there are some very good wide receivers on the board and two of the top tight ends. But also, there's Nolan Smith, who really fits the profile of what the Packers like to draft, which is kind of these athletic freaks on defense that have higher upsides, but more middling floors, and they love guys from Georgia. I'll make the pick eventually, but I do. I want to throw this out. If the draft board falls this way, Ryan, what, what do you think the Packers do here? Aren't you on the clock here? Come on. I, I know. I, I just want to throw this out as a topic of discussion because I think this is very interesting here. Because doesn't so, like yeah, I guess sure uh, it would be it, it would so be wait, is, the, is the Packers GM calling other GMs right now and being like, hey, yeah. who do you think? <laughs> well, okay, Eric, I think you need to take a little light here because I think they could be looking at a guy who went to your school, Utah, in Dalton Kincaid. I think this could be an early shout, but I think it's possible. You know, the Packers they're you know kind of a, a tight end team, if you so to speak, I guess. And I think Dalton Kincaid is kind of an exception. He's basically a 
slot receiver. Uh, such a great understanding for how to get open, how to find soft spots in zones. And, uh, you know, Michael Mayer is obviously another potential tight end for for this spot. But um, I don't know. I, I could see a little Dalton Kincaid, uh, you know, interest for the Packers just as a name to throw out. I think there could be some interest there, but I'm going to go Michael Meyer here. I like Kincaid more. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm a Utes fan. But Michael Meyer just seems like he would fit the offensive system better, right? No, he's a better blocker. He's a little bit more physical. I think they're still going to be a run-heavy team and lean a lot on Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon this year. I think Matt LaFleur likes tight, you know, Shanahan systems typically take on, and McVay systems typically take on tight ends that can block. And it's something that's very important. And Dalton Kincaid, I'm sure you could coach him into a blocking tight end, but that's not really his skill set. Right. So I, I think I'll take Michael Meyer here. I think that makes sense. But I do think there's a, a greater than non-zero chance that if he was on the board, they'd take Nolan Smith because that, that does seem like kind of a Packers pick yeah. as well. Christian, the Patriots. Um, I think one of the worst kept secrets in the league is how in love the New England Patriots are with Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Um, if I really, oh, he's had like four or five meetings with them. Oh, like, okay. He's flown out to meet them. Uh, they met with them at the combine. I think they met with them at the Senior Bowl. Like, I'm seeing so much love for Zay Flowers out of out of the New England side. Um, I think that's gonna. If yeah, I, I think that's an easy pick right there. Um, obviously the the Patriots could go after wide receiver. Uh, they need more weapons for Mac Jones, or you know maybe the potential future after Mac Jones. Who knows what's going on there? Of course, Belichick is a defensive coach. They could see Nolan Smith sitting there and go after him. But from what I've seen, it sounds like the the Patriots love uh, Zay Flowers. So that's where I'm going. Okay, that's a little bit surprising. That's the first pick of this draft that I've been truly kind of surprised by. Uh, and it's I, by the Pats, so that makes perfect sense. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that would that would make sense as well. All right, Ryan, I believe you are up next with the Jets pick. Yeah, Jets, obviously, we just said, just got Aaron Rodgers. That's, uh, you know, obviously better than Zach Wilson, so that's uh, good for Jets fans out there. Uh, this pick, you know, actually, I feel like the Jets, uh, like looking through this, like they actually have a decent roster, which is like a risky thing to say about the New York Jets in general. But, uh, with that said, I'm going to go with Brian Branch here, the safety out of Alabama. Uh, I know that a lot of times the Jets, you know, they, they've tended to take these offensive linemen or defensive linemen, uh, in the Joe Douglas era, but I feel like they could give a little bit of help to that secondary, which already has sauce Gardner, of course, uh, but just could use maybe a little bit of boost. And I feel like Brian Branch is probably the top safety, uh, in this class you know didn't necessarily run the most fast blazing 40 time out there but uh when you turn on the tape this guy's flying around the field could uh help you out in the nickel uh you know down low filling the box and uh could kind of help out that robert Sala defense be a little bit more versatile so uh, i'm gonna go with brian branch here the safety from alabama do you think aaron Rodgers would be pissed if they uh didn't go offense right here 
I, I think it's possible, but at the same time, they also got Alan Lazard already, you know, one of his former receivers from the Packers. And uh, you're getting Brees Hall back from injury is obviously a big boost. I think kind of one of the big questions is what's the status with Makai Becton? Are you counting on him being your, you know, one of your starting offensive tackles? I know Elijah Vera Tucker moved to tackle a little bit last year to kind of fill some of that void, but I think ideally he's probably inside at guard. So um, to me, that may be a little bit of a bigger question if they, you know, do go tackle to help protect Rod but uh you know it's, it's certainly a consideration but i feel like with the, some of the veterans they've gotten they've addressed a lot of their holes uh, on offense and obviously with getting Brees hall back from injury too all right mason and i want to so, negotiate this uh-oh but but i'm i'm, I'm tired of non-trading in this in this all right let's hear it what do you guys and I, this is a team I really do think could be aggressive if this is the way things fall. I'm the Kansas City Chiefs right now. And I'm calling up and I'm saying, all right, I'm going to offer you a haul. I'm going to offer you the 31st overall pick, the 63rd overall pick, a round one pick next year, and a round four pick next year for the 16th overall pick and a round two pick next year. Man, I, I that would be pretty tough to say. I mean, yeah, but it's the back. You know, you're going to be picking in the late twenties to thirties. So, is it around one pick? You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. All right. Do I think this guy will be available here? Who knows? But I think the smoke around the Chiefs wanting to take an offensive weapon is just way too much right now. I think they like Isaiah Pacheco, but I think that they are in love with some of the running backs here. And I know this is high. I really do know this is high. And I know Ryan will probably disagree with, with him going here, but if he's still on the board anywhere between these picks 16 to 20, I think a team like the chiefs or the Bengals or the bills, or even the Cowboys gets really aggressive and trades up and, and takes B. John Robinson. I just think that's, that's, the kind of ceiling he has. And if you're the Chiefs, I, I logically, I think this makes sense and is something I could see in real life because you know you're not going to have to rebuild. Your Super Bowl window is basically the next five to 10 years with Patrick Mahomes. You might as well just mortgage your first round pick and go get the best offensive player overall available in this draft. If it's a skill position player, if it's not a quarterback, and go have a great offense. Imagine Andy Reid's offense adding Bijan Robinson. I really do think there's a chance a team like the Bills or the Chiefs gets aggressive with it and goes after him. I guess my only knock on that is they are, you know, recently took Clyde Edwards Elaire in the first round. And I guess that hasn't necessarily panned out how they wanted. And then as it turns out, it ends up being guys like Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seventh round pick that ends up really making kind of the most significant impact. So is that really the spot where they should be allocating all these resources, including a future first to move up for Bijan certainly warrants enough talent to, um, but I obviously anytime you're, you know, talking about the running back position, uh, you know, taking him where he is sometimes is a question, let alone trading up half of the first round so um you know it'd be an interesting strategy like you said if there's a team to do it sure let's give it to Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs and uh let's just continue to score more points than our opponent something you know we've been able to do uh you know on a pretty regular basis over the last handful of years so all right Mason you you get the Steelers pick the Steelers 
very unprepared for that. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I feel uh, like there's a slam dunk pick here, to be honest with you. Well, uh, you decided to go to the crowd once. I, I guess I'll pull that an Eric <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you guys think about this pick? I think if he's there, I mean, he's got family connections like Joey Porter Jr. They need a cornerback. That's like, fair. He feels like like he feels like a quintessential Steelers corner. Like uh, I feel like they they could go him or Deontay Banks for that matter. I, I I think corner is a really good possibility there. But also, I mean, Nolan Smith is is still on the board, and like it, that that feels like one of those Mike Tomlin picks where he just says, "Yep, we'll take the athletic freak and plug him in at middle linebacker." And then our middle linebacker problem is also fixed. So I, I feel like there are some good picks here for Mike Tomlin. The Joey Porter angle, though, does feel pretty on point for the Steelers. They do seem to love them, some legacy players. And, I mean, Joey Porter was a big deal. So that, that feels like a good fit. Again, and they do have a pretty strong need at cornerback anyway to to really help that defense again get back to where it used to be. All right. I like it. Joey Porter Jr. All right, the Lions. This one, if he's there, I mean, it, it does feel like a slam dunk for them. I'll, I'll take Dalton Kincaid here. I feel like they, they need a tight end. They need another guy, but they could put him a slot. You could play him as an X receiver if you really wanted to. He gives you a bigger body than Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I feel like Dalton Kincaid and that offense, take me away. That, that, that would be pretty explosive to watch next year. Uh, Ryan, uh, Christian, I, I, you obviously also watched a ton of Dalton Kincaid. What would you think about that fit? Yeah, I think it's hard for me to say that the Lions, you know, they're obviously trying to win now. Um, it's, it's a pretty big toss up right here between a wide receiver like Jordan Addison or, uh, you know, like you said, Nolan Smith is still on the board. I don't know if they would look at tight end, even though Kincaid is a, a very, very solid player. I think they'd go for more of an impact position than a tight end. But at the same time, I mean, Hawkinson fit really, really well alongside him on Ross St. Brown. And I think after they traded him away, the offense looked a, a little, a little different and they could really use a, a presence right there at tight end. I do like the fit. I just I don't know if the Lions would would go that direction. But I, I think there's a lot of a lot of different ways that they could go. All right. That I, I think that's that's solid as well. Ryan, you are up next with this next pick here. Uh Tampa Bay here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's about time for Nolan Smith to go at this point. Uh, you know, tested an insanely fast 40 at the combine and, uh, Tampa Bay is a team that is pretty, you know, got a lot of things to fill, uh, in short order, obviously losing, uh, you know, their quarterback and Tom Brady and whatnot, but, uh, I think Nolan Smith's too good a player to, uh, pass up on at this point. So I'll go with the Georgia edge rusher here. All right, Christian, I realize I skipped you there. So you, you are up with the Seahawks pick. It's all good. Um, the Seahawks right here, 
they are in an interesting pick. I mean, obviously last year they did a great job at filling out their offensive line. They drafted two starting caliber tackles in the same draft. That was Abe Lucas and uh, Charles Cross. Yeah, Charles Cross right there. So I think they made a pretty big splash free agency signing, uh, grabbing Draymond Jones. He was on the Denver Broncos. He's a very, very solid interior defensive lineman. I think right here, though, they could be looking to go after an edge threat. Um, I do also see corner as a position they could go after, but if I was in this position, I'd go Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Miles Murphy. That's a guy that you really like, right, Ryan? Yeah, very high on uh, on Miles Murphy. You know, for as much love as Tyree Wilson gets for his athleticism, I really don't think Miles Murphy is all that less athletic uh, than he is. And he was a five star recruit and went to Clemson, so got a little bit you know higher quality uh, you know competition uh, with Clemson playing on a little bit bigger stage than than Texas Tech. So I think the concern a little bit with Miles Murphy is they don't know how much better he got since he got in his freshman year, but he came in pretty damn good. So I still think there's a lot to like with Murphy uh, overall. I, I think just that... curious. I didn't even look into this. What is the scheme fit right there? I know Seattle kind of, you know, runs more of a, it seems like they, well, they have a new defensive coordinator. I don't even know what, what sort of defense they're going to be running this year. What scheme does Miles Murphy fit best? I would say probably a uh, like a four three scheme where you know he's not kind of standing up over the edge like maybe they have in guys like Boye Mafe and Darrell Taylor uh, currently in that defense for for Seattle. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Murphy has a little bit of versatility where if you threw him in even as kind of a three tech, uh, you know he could kind of wreak havoc in the in the pass rush game a little bit. And uh, I think that that's pretty important when you can get that interior push, uh, you know, to not allow a quarterback to step up in the pocket. So I think Murphy's pretty versatile. That you know he can can play on the edge uh you know if he's got a hand in the dirt and say a, a wide nine technique but also can you know move inside to you know anywhere to a, a three technique and rush inside on a guard as well all right the los angeles chargers but the team i'm picking for here they usually don't go wide receiver but let me just make the pitch here i think they if if the wide receivers that are available are available to them next year, tomorrow or Thursday night, come on guys. Like you've got to add more depth because it seems like every year Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is getting hurt. And when that happens, the offense falls into slumps for weeks on end. And then you miss them when they need, they're needed most in the playoffs. They need way more depth at wide receiver. They need way younger wide receivers They've got their franchise quarterback. They need to go out and get players. And honestly, it's a tough choice here because do you do you go with the Mike Williams type in Quinn Johnston or do you go with the deep speed threat that can stretch the field and take advantage of Justin Herbert's arm? And, and to me, I think, oh, who's their new offensive coordinator? Former Dallas guy. Kellen uh, Moore. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore in Dallas loved the vertical stuff, loved in those first few years when the Cowboys had all those weapons, taking shots with Dak Prescott. And to me, if you add Jordan Addison to this offense, if you get all three of those guys healthy at some point, that is just an absolutely unstoppable offense. I'm taking Jordan Addison here. They're going to get their tackle back this year. Uh, what What's his name? Who was injured all of last Slater. year? Slater. <laughs> They'll get Slater back. 
They could go tackle if they really wanted to, but they're going to get Slater back. They have a pretty decent offensive line. Like it, I, I think they take Jordan Addison here. What What do you think about that fit for the Chargers offense, uh, Christian? I love it. Um, like you said, it's tough taking a receiver in the th- first round if they're projected to be your wide receiver three. But at the same time, we can't rely on Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams to stay healthy. And it's been like that for the last few seasons. And uh, Addison is a player that can be on the field with them if they are healthy, all three of them at the same time. So I, th- I think that's a, a great fit. It's a scary fit for the Chargers. And we've been waiting for the Chargers to make this offense scary. It's, it's really time for them to invest in Justin Herbert. And uh, I'd be very excited to see what he can do if they make that move. I love it. All right, Ravens pick. This has gone so out of whack now that I don't even know where we are. So we're just going to give this pick to to Mason, who feels like he has been patiently waiting for a while now. (laughs) Well, I think that if Quinton Johnston's available to the Ravens, I think they need some more wide receivers there. So there's some consistency of what Lamar Jackson's actually throwing to. I mean, I know they picked up Odell Beckham, but his track record of staying healthy consistently has just not been there. He's yet another, what, year and a half removed from actual play. They, they got to have somebody in there to, to let Lamar Jackson actually throw the ball and not keep getting called a running quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Christian, the Vikings pick is yours. So the Vikings need a lot of help on defense. Um, they yeah. could go Deontay Banks here. They they really, really need a corner. But, or, oh, man, Lucas Van Ness would be a really nice fit too. But I think the Vikings got to move off of Kirk Cousins at some point. And I, I've mentioned this a few times earlier in the draft, but Hendon Hooker feels like a great pick here. Um, he's an older guy. I think he's, what is he like 25 or 26 already, but uh, he's rehabbing from that torn ACL before he got injured though. He looked like one of the top quarterbacks in this draft. Um, I really, really think that Minnesota needs to find a, a, their quarterback of the future because Kirk cousins has a ceiling and that ceiling is what we saw last year. It's a first round exit, maybe a second round exit. Um, the Vikings aren't going to go very far if they, keep trying to win with Kirk Cousins. So this is where they get his replacement. Um, he's allowed to, this allows the Vikings to have him kind of sit for maybe not the whole year, half the year, maybe continue to rehab from that torn ACL, get up to speed, uh, NFL speed. And I think this is a solid pick. Hen and hooker. Yeah. Ryan, I, I wanted your thoughts. I know on our quarterback episode, I did feel like Hendon Hooker was the one guy we kind of skipped by a little bit. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you think his ceiling might be? If, if everything works out fine for Hendon Hooker and he comes back and let's say he plays well enough in training camp this year or, or, or throughout the season and the Vikings like him enough that they go into the next season with him competing for a starting job. What, what kind of ceiling does Hendon Hooker have, do you think? 
Yeah, I definitely think he's a, he's a future NFL starter. I mean, the injuries is really the big question, but he had the exact same touchdown interception ratio as Bryce Young and even had a better completion percentage, better yards per attempt than Bryce per Young. He showed more as a rusher than we saw from Bryce Young. There's a lot to like with what Hooker can offer as a quarterback, and not to mention he has good size as well at six foot three, two hundred and seventeen pounds. So the, the ceiling is certainly high. Uh, my comparison for Hendon Hooker is Tyrod Taylor, and I don't mean that as a diss. I mean Tyrod Taylor has you know been in the NFL a long time and had a very sustainable career, even though he's kind of just been like a spot starter for a handful of teams. Still carved out a you know successful NFL career from uh, a lot of things considered, and um, you know, Tyrod Taylor went to. Virginia Tech. Hooker started his career at Virginia Tech before transferring to Tennessee and certainly needs to develop a little bit as a passer. That Tennessee offense a lot of times was, uh, you know, very simplified. You know, he's just kind of reading uh, one player, whether it be an RPO or just kind of chucking up a deep ball to whether it be Jalen Hyatt or Seldrick Tillman. You know, it was a, it was a fun offense to watch and uh, Hooker was definitely able to kind of unleash some of his potential in it. Just certainly not to say he doesn't have growth and obviously coming off a torn ACL, there's massive questions as if he'll ever be able to get to that level of again but from what we've seen from what hooker has put on tape uh you know I, I think he certainly projects as a guy that is worthy of a first round pick and could project as a as a future nfl starter one last note too i do want to mention that the vikings are a really underrated landing spot for a quarterback like we talked about um earlier they've got justin jefferson one of the best receivers in the league uh, they got tj hawkinson a really really good tight end um they've built their offensive lineup over the last couple seasons it's slightly above average i mean it's not terrific but uh, and then an offensive-minded head coach and kevin o'connell so i think if there's you know a dark horse team to watch for taking quarterback as far as you know a trade with another team or taking somebody here in the late first round i definitely think it's the minnesota vikings all right the jacksonville jaguars will go to ryan on this one yeah, Jaguars, uh, they've been a team that loves taking defense in the first round. Four first-round players on that defense. When you look at Devin Lloyd, Trevon Walker, Josh Allen, and Caleb on Chason, three of which are edge rushers. So I think that, you know, maybe initially I would have given consideration to another edge rusher here, uh, maybe say a Lucas Van Ness. But I'm going to go inside here. I'm going to go Kalijah Cansey, defensive lineman from Pitt. I feel like he kind of matches that Jacksonville Jaguars mold. Uh Ran a shockingly fast 46740, which was the fastest of any defensive lineman at the combine, and certainly is a little bit undersized for kind of a traditional uh, defensive tackle at 281 pounds. But that's something that I think Cansey works to his advantage. He's, you know, very effective at getting to the quarterback, finishing with sacks, you know, he's disruptive in the run game and, um, you know, had a little bit more pass rush snaps than he did run defense snaps during his time at Pitt. But um, he's certainly a player I expect to go in the first round and uh, it kind of fits that, you know, Saxonville Jaguars mold that they have building there. All right, Mason, the pick is yours for the New York Giants. So I think for the New York Giants with uh, the progress they saw out of Danny Dimes there under Dable, um, if, you know, and he was around for the Josh Allen era and molding him and bringing him up, one of the things that absolutely helped him improve his game was having an extremely reliable slot receiver as a nice check down. And so I think grabbing Josh Downs probably would work out pretty well for them giving him someone that he can just kind of trust and throw to and uh, work with. Interesting. So this, this has been a very interesting mock draft because not a lot of 
Mock drafts I've seen have had five wide receivers go in the first round. This seems <laughs> interesting. What do you think about that pick potentially? Ryan, do you think that's maybe a reach for downs? But obviously the, the Giants are going to be picking later in the second round as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty on brand for the Giants, to be honest. Uh, you know, taking another stab in the dark at another receiver. I like Downs. I, I really liked his film coming into this year, especially. I thought this was definitely a guy that could kind of be a first-round lock with another outstanding year this year. Not sure if we necessarily got, you know, an over-the-top season from Downs this past year, but, um, you know, is a very effective route runner, is able to get separation, you know, finished with a lot of touchdowns as well. And obviously we know about some of the struggles that Giants receivers have had in recent years. So I think from that standpoint, the fit makes sense. All right, the Dallas Cowboys, I'll take this one here so we can make sure Mason gets this Buffalo pick. Wow, this is a rough draft for them. It feels like they really wanted to go with one of these flashy skill position players. They're all kind of gone. Like, they could, wouldn't shock me if they went, you know, Jameer Gibbs here. They do need another running back potentially. But, you know, their offensive line always seems to get hurt always seems to kind of fade away. It doesn't seem like they have a ton of depth. I'm going to take Broderick Jones as a tackle here. I think that adding some tackle depth is not the worst thing. And I think if the Cowboys are okay with it, I think they should focus on the trenches this draft because I know, I know that they need more weapons, but you kind of traded for Brandon Cooks, like, Go ahead and, you know, use some high draft capital on a tackle or an interior offensive lineman because over the past few years, the, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line has gone from a strength to kind of a middling part of their team. I don't know if you agree with that analysis or not, Ryan, but it's just kind of the way I feel. Yeah, I mean, they did take Tyler Smith in the first round last year, who I was a little surprised by it, but ended up having a, a pretty good year uh, in his rookie year, you know, moving away from a little bit of the Tyron Smith era, who's, you know, now 32 years old. And uh, sure, you have Terrence Steele there, but not sure how, you know, long term you want him necessarily as a tackle. So um, I think it makes sense. Maybe you can move him inside opposite Zach Martin, for example. So, um, yeah, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Gets the, you know, Cowboys a, a big, really big tackle. Um, to kind of you know maybe you know usher in that new mold of uh of a cowboys o-line you know moving away from tyron smith and uh going with uh with jones uh to go opposite of what tyler smith brought you last year all right mason the bills pick so as much as they would obviously love to get more weapons for uh josh to throw to i think with the way that this draft has fallen i mean having such a bevy of linemen to pick from on the offensive side honestly works out pretty great too because that is a desperate area of need uh where just he made them look quite a bit better than I think they actually were overall and so uh I think at this point uh going with Darnell Wright out of Tennessee would probably be where they would go I mean it's that or Anton Harrison Mm. I would say yeah, I like that pick so, too. I mean, I, I think, I think all right. I think especially in the playoffs, they got found out as a team that did not have very good pass protection. It it'd be smart of them, and and I think Joe Shane. Well, he's with the Giants now. I think Billy B, Billy Bean. Yep, Brandon. Brandon. Brandon but, yeah, Brandon Bean uh, is a guy that values like protecting your quarterback and trench play. So 
I, I think that that makes sense as well. All right, Christian, you you have the Bengals pick. So, ooh, I think the Bengals. Obviously, the uh, Joe Mixon situation is one worth monitoring, um, and I think they'd be fine with the board falling this way. I think they'd take Jameer Gibbs here. Um, it, it is a little high um, as far as, you know, he's a running back, but they've they've got to do something because they lost uh, P. Ryan in free agency. Uh, I don't think the Joe Mixon situation is a good one with all his legal troubles and with all that, you know, <laughs> not, I don't want to get into it just because time-wise and stuff. I think they need to replace Joe Mixon bottom line. And I think Jameer Gibbs is the uh, a good back to do that. Um, he's a great option in the past game. And I think the, the Bengals need to do everything they can to continue to just keep their foot on the gas pedal with Joe Burrow there. Right, I'll I'll take the Saints pick here, and this is just something that I've I've heard a lot, and I I can't believe it's gonna happen. I think we're gonna get three first round tight ends. I really do. And Mickey Loomis is a guy that is not afraid to take big swings and be like, you know, screw it. I've got incredible job security here. It seems in New Orleans, I don't really have to worry about what if if these guys pan out or not. But I think a guy like Darnell Washington already with a guy like Juwan Johnson, you could run some two tight end sets. You already have Chris Olave. We know Derek Carr's history of success with throwing two elite tight ends. Like, go ahead and just take him. And and I, I just wonder here uh, for, for you, Ryan, because we didn't talk about this much on the last episode, of these guys, of these kind of Musgrave, Laporta, Washington, who do you think – is the best available here? And and who do you think we might see slipping into the first round? Because I do feel like towards the end, we might get one of these guys going off the board. Yeah, of that trio, I would go with Washington just as you did. He just, even though the production wasn't necessarily there at Georgia, I think the snaps are certainly a, a big reason why. And also having, you know, Brock Bowers there, who if you're not sure who that is, you will next year at this time, he'll certainly be the first tight end taken uh, in the 2024 NFL draft Brock Bowers from Georgia. But uh, for this year, I think, you know, Darnell Washington probably fits that, you know, 6'7", 264, runs a 4'6", 440, like the, the height, weight, speed is all checkmark for what Darnell Washington can offer you at the next level and is a pretty good run blocker too. And not to say that Laporta and Musgrave aren't those guys, but uh, in terms of, you know, a first round player, you want to have a little bit more projectability of what he can be, you know, a five-star recruit, Darnell Washington coming out of Las Vegas. Uh, you know, I, I think he's probably the guy of that group to be the third tight end off the board. All right. You've got a third first round pick, Ryan. I mean, uh, where, where are you going here? This is just... It is literally insane how much draft capital the Philadelphia Eagles have. Do you think there's a chance they trade back here? Uh, well, that'll be my first question. Yeah, certainly a chance. I think it's a decreased chance after seeing Hendon Hooker go off the board at pick 23 to Minnesota. You know, a lot of times teams trade into the back half of round one to grab that quarterback to secure that fifth year option with Hooker off the board. Uh, you know, I'll just make a selection here. For me, this is a really, really tight one between uh, two different cornerbacks uh, that are still available at this part of the draft. I would say it's between either Deontay Banks from Maryland or Cam Smith from South Carolina. Also have Emmanuel Forbes on the board as well, but I 
I think that for, or I think that Smith and banks are a little bit better prospects overall. I'm going to go with cam Smith uh, for this pick for the Eagles here though. Um, you know, just slight factors. I like more than Deontay banks. He was cam Smith, a little bit more productive in terms of forcing interceptions uh, and turnovers during his time uh, in college, also playing in the sec, you know, a little bit higher quality competition than banks was facing at Maryland, even though, you know, they play Ohio state every year and kind of get rocked on, but that's okay. And then the last factor, I would say cam Smith, a little bit of experience playing in the slot more so than Deontay banks had, you know, with the Eagles bringing back both games, Bradbury and Darius Slay, you might be able to work in cam Smith uh, a little bit more into, you know, your regular defensive packages, even though they have Avante Maddox there, who I think is one of the more underrated slot DBs in the entire NFL. It was a little bit of a revolving door. I saw Josiah Scott get some snaps last year with some injuries. So uh, I think it would be nice to kind of replenish that cornerback room a little bit with some veterans already there. And uh, I really like cam Smith from South Carolina here. All right, Christian, finish us off with uh, the commander's pick. Um, I think the commanders, you know, they're they're entering the uh, the Sam Howell era at quarterback. They're going to give him the chance. Um, their offensive line is okay. Their defense is kind of on the rise. They've got some really nice pieces. So if I were in charge of Washington, I'd say, you know what? Let's get Sam Howell all the help we can and uh, – see what we can do to help him succeed. The The wide receiver room is looking pretty nice. So I think that I would go with one of the tight ends. And this is, what is this, the fourth tight end taken in the first round? I'm not sure how realistic that is, but I think Sam Laporta is a pretty nice pick here. Iowa has had a really good history the last few years of uh, producing tight ends. Um, and I think Laporta fits the mold of what they're trying to do in Washington. He is a reliable set of hands, but he doesn't need to be a number one or number two option even in the past game. Um, and, and especially when you consider that tight ends are kind of notorious for having really rocky first years, because it's so hard to transition from a college tight end to NFL level, because you have to worry about the pass game and the run game. So I think being in a situation like in Washington, uh, like I said, where you're not going to be one of the top pass options right off the bat. I think that's a pretty good scenario for a tight end to develop there. So uh, Washington, end of the first round, going Sam Laporta. Of the current NFL players most likely to be traded between today and, let's say, Friday night, who do you think's most likely on a new team uh, by Saturday morning? DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, so you think that goes down with him in the next two days? Mason's going to be a really happy guy, I think. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. All right. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to get moved. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who else. Maybe Austin Eckler. But I think DeAndre Hopkins is almost a lock that he's not going to be a Cardinal. Yeah, I feel like that's... Pretty good. All right, Ryan, our senior draft analyst, I'll let you close this out. What's one final piece of draft analysis that maybe we haven't gotten to over the past few months that you've just really been waiting to get off your chest? What what are what what would you leave us with a little bit of a soliloquy here as as we head into draft night? Well, this isn't any new news, but I, I need to give any love that I can before draft night to Deuce Vaughn, who's my guy running back from Kansas State. 
I, I gave a lot of love to Deuce Vaughn on our running back show, Eric, but I still need to give more love to Deuce Vaughn because he is very much discriminated against because he's short. He's five foot five. He was 179 pounds, but this guy is a damn good football player and he's going to make a team very happy when they take him on day three of the draft. And I know this isn't a day three mock draft, but I love Deuce Vaughn and I'm rooting for him and he's my guy. So I love Deuce Vaughn. There you go. That's, that's what I'm leaving you with. Wonderful. Finally, Christian, we talked about this slightly earlier. Uh, obviously, Broncos decided to do insanely stupid things over the past uh, three years and ended up having no draft picks this year. We'll, we'll have a draft pick next year. That's nice. I'm, I'm hyped about that. So I guess if we're bad next year, it won't be all for nothing. Um, but well, obviously, they have those picks 67 and 68. Everything underneath that is a total crapshoot. 67 and 68 are total crapshoots. But what kind of positions would you like to see the Broncos go after with those picks in the third round? Yeah, it's hard. We've seen things the last couple of days. I mean, I can't, I lost track if it was Sean Payton or George Payton. One of them came out and said, you know, you can't expect a day one starter uh, in the third round. So I think that's one thing Broncos fans need to realize is who they're drafting in the third round. Um, is likely going to be a role player, especially as a rookie. Um, but another thing, Sean Payton likes to trade up and George Payton likes to trade down. Um, I think with this scenario, if there's a player that they like that falls in the second round, I could easily see them packaging both of these third round picks and, and moving up into the second round at some point. So um, I think they need a center. Obviously, Cushenberry got pushed around last year. That wasn't very good. Um, you could always use depth at corner. Um, depth at wide receiver is a need because, obviously, <clears throat> Cortland Sutton had a down year. Tim Patrick is coming off a torn ACL. Uh, KJ Hamler is not reliable. Jerry Judy hit and miss sometimes. He did turn it up towards the end of the year. So I think wide receiver depth is something they're going to go after. Um, but I think center and i'd say center is their biggest need and after that they could honestly go anywhere um, great but yeah center center i think is something that needs to be filled thank you all so much for joining me check us out thursday night we will have draft coverage until then see you next time peace out